the Quarantine Chronicles. Welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream, your full-spectrum source for all things music insight and opinion. This is episode number three of the Quarantine Chronicles. Today's date is April 27th, 2020. As always, my name is Bill, and I'm joined here today with Connor and Steve. Yo. Yo. How you guys doing on this beautiful quarantine day? Pretty good. Um, it's a nice day. Yeah, I was doing pretty well until the uh, Eagles draft and well, the NFL draft commenced a few days ago. Eagles made some uh, shoddy picks in the first two rounds. Not too thrilled about. So has anyone encountered anything new or interesting in the past week? Uh, I've been listening to the new Swans album. It's from like October or something, but I never got around to it. Um, people who are interested could maybe check out uh, Hum or uh, Annaline, maybe. Nice. What about you, Steve? Yeah. Um, I know this will be a two-thirds majority appreciation. Lamb of God released another new track from the self-titled album coming out in July. It's now the third track off the album called Colossal Hate. Bill, I mean, I know me and you disagree with the quality in terms of the other two songs and its relation, but I yeah. honestly, in my opinion, I think it's the best one of the three so far. And I mean, that might be biased because I've listened to Memento Mori and Checkmate quite a few times. So this being new, I think it still hasn't like set in on an equal playing field yet. I mean, uh, well, this is actually my newer interesting too. Um, I heard it, and honestly, I don't feel like it's the strongest track they've put out yet. However, I am excited to hear the rest of the album. And, um, I mean, uh, not that I think, like, Checkmate or Memento Mori was, like, better, per se. I just felt like Checkmate and Memento Mori, I had more, I had more of an inclination to fucking, like, groove out to it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I think it's just uh, the second or uh, with Colossal Hate, you get to hear more of like Cruz's drumming like capabilities. Like there's a lot of that double kick that goes on that really reminds me of Chris Adler. And then it's like super thrashy. Like there's a lot of like thrash influence in it yeah, I think, compared like, to the other two as well. Yeah, like don't don't get me wrong. Like it, it kind of reminded me of like the earlier days of Lamb of God. It reminded me of like fucking yeah. like like gospel or, you know, palaces and shit like that. Like, it reminded me of, like, the old, old Lamb of God. I think when that album comes out, Bill, we need to put up, like, a poll and say, like, do we think, like, Lamb of God is going in a better direction now with Art Cruz? Was there, like, you know, toxicity with Chris Adler? Was the writing capabilities limited? Like, what really has happened with Lamb of God? Because, I mean, like you said, we and you discussed, everything after Sacrament was, like, pretty mediocre compared to everything prior to Sacrament. Yeah, and, and I mean, like, I don't want to say, a like... a little bit of a bright light. Yeah, and I don't want to say like Chris Adler was the weakest link in the band, but no, absolutely. But not. like by what I've heard in interviews that I've read and everything, I mean like it came straight from the horse's mouth. Randy said flat out that Art Cruz like breathed new life into the band, and yeah. whether or not you should take that as a negative thing, I mean, I mean, I guess it's kind of up to the listener's discretion. Me personally, I feel like maybe because Chris Adler was like a major contributor in the songwriting process that maybe he was kind of like laxed on shit or like, you know, like yeah. I'll just let this fly because I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. Like even sacrament was good, is, dude. dude. Yeah. Bottom line in terms of talent, like I, there's not many drummers that compare to Chris Adler. Like Chris Adler is always going to be one of my favorite drummers, at least of that genre. But I mean, that's like the, you know, equivalent of saying like, which guitarist would you rather have in a sense of like, 
James Hetfield or Ingve Malmsteen. I mean, Ingve Malmsteen is just way more talented for the guitar, but I mean, personality wise, I wouldn't want to even fucking like go to McDonald's with Ingve Malmsteen to be. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> like, for real. But yeah, um, Lamb of God's new song, uh, new colossal, colossal hate. hate. Go check it out. I mean, I think it's pretty fucking sweet. Yeah. So I guess let's get on to uh, on this day in mini music history. You want to lead us off, Connor? 1987, we got you 2 make the cover of Time Magazine with the headline, Rock's Hottest Ticket. It's funny. I've been on Rate Your Music lately, doing reviews and such, and I've been going through the years and looking at the songs that are like the highest yeah. ranked. Every, I, I've been going from like 1987 to like 1995, and every time I see a U2 song or album, I just give it 0.5 stars to try and bring it's them super- down a couple times. <laughs> 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 so fucking petty i love it dude hey so some, awesome. someone's gotta knock these fuckers off yeah, their they stupid really fucking do, pedestal dude. yeah <laughs> if we haven't done enough already we definitely need to everyone band together rate your music rate fucking everyone get your ass YouTube. on rate your music and get everything get, by you to a 0.5 out of five stars now that you've mentioned that i'm probably because i mean seriously anybody could do that very simply i'm going to at least get everyone in my family especially during these quarantine times filled with boredom to just i'm going to like text my sister who doesn't even like listen to music like yo do me a favor I need you to go on to rate your music i need you to search up you too I need you to rate everything on there a point five. Everything. They're gonna fucking see yeah, like an increase time. of this and then they're gonna trace it back to Connor. I got totally like five this is nothing wrong. I was doing this shit for like two hours last night and I got like five pop ups from Rate Your Music that were like making me do like captures and shit because it was just like you are a robot. What are you yeah, doing? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> they're obviously like, there's, no, like, way, like, guy, there's no way a real person hates you two this much. It can't be. They haven't met Steve Hyman. <laughs> I am yeah, they I'm haven't killing been us yet. <laughs> I'll still never forgive them, man. My first iPhone was absolutely fucking tainted with that album. Yeah, like honestly, at the end My of the OCD day, it made your iPhone crazy. virtually worthless. Yeah, it really I, did. I got this brand I'm new thousand dollar cell to phone. That's trash. Yeah, I took, <laughs> I took my five C to the pawn shop. Like, oh. You too on here. We uh, I can't take this. I'm sorry. This is yeah. <laughs> that's and how I'm you like, classify. Don't worry, I, uh-huh. The worst was like, don't worry, I'll just delete it from my music library. Nope, that wasn't happening. Well, that's that, the thing. that album that was on the iPhones was the only album I didn't have to fuck with because it was already about a point five right. out of five. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's the awesome. thing. It's just like if you had like a five C or you still have it now, it's probably worth more money. Like you know, yeah. pre the virus, like like pre the U two virus. <laughs> what was that album called? Yeah, like oh, Songs yeah. of Eden or something. Songs of yeah. Innocence or Songs of Experience. Songs of Innocence. Of there we go. That's what it was. Yeah. So bad. It's just like you go to sell a 5C and like when you take it to like the cell phone thing at the mall where it like recycles your phone, it asks you, is this pre Songs of Innocence or post Songs of Innocence? And if you select yeah, pre, it's breaker. worth more money. Yo, the worst was is like if I had no signal and I could play downloaded music, the only album available yeah. was that YouTube album, and I'm like, it was just like, yeah, I'm not gonna like, listen dude, to I it. Dude, I would sit on like a train, like the Paco coming back from Philly or something. It'd be like a 30 minute train ride back to Collingswood, and I like would I would rather listen to someone puke on the train than fucking play that YouTube album with That's no signal. Literally, it was that bad. That's so I rather just not have my music on. <laughs> um. <laughs> I guess, Steve, do you want to hit uh, 2003 here? 
to something that's yeah, two thousand three. Who uh, just celebrated a birthday a few days ago? Iggy Pop re- reunites with the Stooges for the first time in thirty years to close out Coachella Festival. That's pretty um, cool. Yeah, that's see why, why is I, Iggy Pop allowed to close out Coachella and no one gives a fuck? But if Rage Against the Machine wants to play Coachella, it's sell out, fucking fakes, phonies, like yeah, I know that's super. Well, you also have to understand 2003. I mean, that's a that's before like the huge social media wave. So I mean, I'm sure there was a true. lot of people saying that. But yeah. when social media influences, then other people think it. Like, oh, these people are respectable. They think they're selling out. So I have to think so as well. Yeah, like, that's what's become the age of social media. Everybody, um, has I've, a sa- I've soured a bit on Iggy Pop. Question for both of you: Iggy Pop solo or Iggy with the Stooges? Which is better? A thousand percent this, with the Stooges. I agree. It's no comparison. Agree. Yeah, no comparison. Yeah, I mean, the like Stooges album, Fun the House one, and fucking Raw Power are absolutely the one sense. Iggy Pop album is is worth it. Uh, Lost for Life, and then no, wait, the Idiot's maybe, pretty good too. Yeah, and the idiot, yeah, too. The Sorry, he's got two good, good albums. But yeah. I mean, I would take Funhouse and Raw Power over those albums every yeah, day. I would take even the self-titled, the Stooges album. Just by uh, yeah. I, I could. The first one's not my favorite, but I oh, do like it. Sixty nine, dude. Yeah, it's great, but it's not my favorite. Like. Yeah, and it's got I Want to Be Your Dog. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, man. That's good. Um, <laughs> well, but anyway. Well, what's up? Three years later. What do you bet? Huh? Whoa, 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 Bill, I didn't get your insight on that. What do you think? Oh, yeah. I said definitely with the Stooges, 100%. Definitely with the Stooges. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. All right. We're all like, good things. Now, in speaking of, you know, leather-skinned sellouts, <laughs> in 2006... <laughs> Uh, the 62-year-old Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones falls out of a palm tree while vacationing in Fiji and goes to the hospital with a concussion, creating a rare news event on the island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those natives are probably like, this is fucking bullshit. We like have no negative press ever coming out of our island. Yeah, and this fucking asshole really shows up. Our fucking water. And now Keith Richards got to come over here. Well, like 62 years old, what are you doing climbing a palm tree? This, the, you know, he they're saying out of a palm tree, like this leather skinned sellout. Yeah, he was definitely not wearing a shirt. He's in Fiji. But how did he even get into the palm tree? Who he's allowed probably chased, He's probably chased up the fucking palm tree by the angry locals who are probably tiring of his bullshit rock star behavior. Probably. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely true. It's um, definitely true. Keith Richards is definitely my least favorite like Rolling Stone, or actually, he's probably my least favorite hey. guitar icon. Like he's probably real. my favorite Rolling Stone, but I'm not that big on the Rolling Stones, so it's not saying much. No, I'm not a fan yeah. of the Rolling Stones. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I like them, but I don't love them. Like I'll I'll take, I'll take them or leave them. Rolling Stones, any same one hundred percent. I'll take. I'll take toys in the attic. Honestly, I talk a lot of shit. I mean, but even the Beatles, to me, it's like I would pick and choose. I think the Rolling Stones have a lot more hits that I would listen to, but overall as a career and personality, probably take the Beatles at the end of the day. Hmm. Hate to say it. I'm I'm weird with the Beatles. Like my favorite Beatles album is Magical Mystery Tour. Really? Yeah, it's my favorite. You like that better than Revolver? Hundred percent. Wow. It's good. I just I um, something today. 
Alright, 2012, we got Bobby Dylan receives the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the highest honor awarded to a United States civilian citizen from uh, Barack Obama. Dylan is only the 29th musician to receive the award. Previous recipients include Frank Sinatra, Aretha Franklin, and Irving Berlin. What a fucking list. Yeah, right. What a, uh, what a bunch of mothballs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll take. I guess I'll take Frank Sinatra and Aretha Franklin, but I'm. I'm really. I could really give two shits about Bob Dylan or Irving Berlin. Yeah, bro, you don't like Bob Dylan? Not particularly anymore. Unbelievable. He just. He's. He's kind of. He's kind of like the '60s hipster when I look at him now. That's how. Yeah, I, I know. You, they, obviously, but in that time, you didn't have really any type of comparison. I mean, for Blonde you, on Blonde Highway, you know, Blood on the Tracks. Bro, if you want some Bob Bring Dylan all CDs, back home. I mean, these are all great albums. If you want some Bob Dylan CDs, I could part with a couple for sure. <laughs> I'll take them absolutely. You know, it's funny, dude. You, you know, go ahead. Uh, after watching that Bob Dylan documentary that we did a while ago, the Rolling Thunder review, I mm. actually became less of a fan, lesser than I was prior to watching it. He's yeah, an see, asshole. I, mean, I, I don't. He's I, a again, fake. I, I, We've discussed this in a previous episode, man. At the end of the day, it's about the music, and like, I'll listen to Blonde on Blonde. I'll listen. Yeah, Blonde on Blonde is not one of the CDs I'll be giving you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, wait. So we're we're getting to this point. You're not willing to part with that specific CD? No, I still like Free Will, and I still like Highway. I still like Blonde on Blonde, but the rest of them you can probably small place in your heart for Mr. Zimmerman. I see. Yeah, you're going to get the self-titled, you're going to get another side of Bob Dylan, and Love and Theft, and hopefully you're happy with that. You have John Wesley Harding with uh, All on the Watchtower on it? Bro, I have seven Bob Dylan CDs I gave up. Like I was like, I don't need any more of this shit. (laughs) Unbelievable. (laughs) And And I'm blonde on blonde. I'm trimming down to three or four. I'm debating on whether I want to give you Desire or not, because I really do like Hurricane. Yeah, Hurricane is very good. I don't know, man. He he had a couple big strikes for me, like that Super Bowl commercial. I didn't vibe with that he did a couple years ago. Which one was that? Um, he was like, he was like, it was like for Ford or something. First, I think it was like advocating for Ford Motor Companies, like acting like they were like down and dirty, and like like he totally sold his uh uh image to ford like he totally allowed ford to co-opt his like reputation another leathered skin sellout yeah and and (laughs) i ended i read about like when heart of gold by neil young came out in the 70s uh apparently bob dylan like was furious and and like tried to get like the songs released stopped because he thought like uh Neil Young like completely ripped them off, and I'm like, dude, you don't own the acoustic guitar and the harmonica. Like, get the fuck over yourself. Oh, so that's what your problem <laughs> with Bob Dylan is. There it is. We finally got it. I didn't even have to say anything. <laughs> well, you don't fuck with Neil like that, and then still the truth have comes uh, out. You can't be fucking with my Let boy. Let me ask you like a question. That. For this reason, also, Connor, do you hate Leonard Skinner? Yes. Uh, I'm not a fan of Leonard Skinner. I'll certainly probably take Bob Dylan over Leonard Skinner, but I mean, um, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, Leonard Skinner was the first. Leonard Skinner and Almond Brothers was my first concert. Yeah, they really hated on uh, Neil though for a bit, man. and that shit's in history. Yeah, but you you know, uh, Robin Van Zant got buried in a Neil Young shirt, right? Really? Yeah. 
Oh, so, shit. Wait, is it the shirt they, that he wore? They at that? least... Yeah, the Tonight's the Night shirt. They yeah, at least yeah, moved yeah. to squash the beef with Neil Young. You know what I mean? Bob Dylan was just like, how dare this Canadian do something uh, five light years away from what I'm doing? <laughs> Listen here, you maple drinking douchebag. For real. <laughs> and like, not for nothing, but Bob Dylan did plenty of appropriating himself, like without uh, Woody Guthrie and pete seeger there would be no bob dylan and without it without uh the british invasion there wouldn't have been a lot of later bob dylan stuff so i don't know where he gets off telling neil young in the 70s that who and don't don't forget neil young had already been around for like six or seven years by the time heart of gold came out and all right so all of a sudden now you're upset that neil young makes an acoustic song like are you serious <laughs> yeah that's funny all right. Well, to get into happier topics of conversation here, not that we're running low on ideas or anything, because obviously we're chock full of really good ones. What I would like to discuss today is something we've actually talked about for a while. Video games that have impeccable soundtracks. Like if you're following us on Facebook and Instagram, you've been seeing that we've done our or, or currently in the middle of our 30 day music challenge. And it's funny. My day one was, I think not, day number one was like, choose a song with a number in the title. My pick was 96 Quite Bitter Beings. I found yeah. out that song from Tony Hawk's Pro Tony Skater. Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Yes. Yeah, that's got probably... Uh, oh, Tony Hawk 2. Yeah, Tony Hawk 2 was the ass. Tony Hawk 2 was some or fire. Day two, that had adolescence on it, didn't it? Yeah. It had Rage Against... It had Gorilla Radio. Yeah. Yeah. There was some fire. I remember what too. was the one that opened up. I remember opened up with TNT and I remember just being like a little kid. And like, I remember the TNT video. by ACDC. Yeah. It was like a drop in from like a half pipe view. And like, as a little kid, oh. hearing that song, I was like, you know what? All right. I feel like that does ring a bell. And I don't know. It's a, it was a skate game. Yeah. It was a Tony Hawk game. It was the, I got, I'm not, it must've been Tony Hawk one. Yeah. It wasn't three. It must yeah, it must have. I feel like it honestly must have been one, the first one. I'm gonna look this up. Well, I guess while you're Hold looking on. that up, I mean, what we could do is we can all pick like a game and kind of talk about the talk about the soundtrack involved with it. Obviously, we don't really want to touch on games like Rock Band or Guitar Hero because yeah, let's be real, those songs are kind of catered to like the musician and or and or people yeah. that really enjoy like rock music, and I feel like those would just be entirely too obvious to do. Like, oh, yeah, I liked how Cowboys from Hell and Iron Man was on Guitar Hero 1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, I got to go uh, the first two or th uh, first two or three Twisted Metals with, like, uh, White Zombie and Rob Zombie all over them and stuff. Oh, shit, yeah. yeah. That was that was some fire. Was it more human than human on one of those soundtracks? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, definitely um, Dragula. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Dead eye on the By the way, that uh Tony Hawk I was mentioning came out in two thousand three. It was four. Oh, okay, Tony Hawk four. Tony Hawk four, yeah. Okay, well that's cool. So yeah, I 
But I was thinking, because, like, when I'm 12 years old, man, like, I was, like, real, I was actually skateboarding at that point. I remember I had a girl brand because Eric Costin was, like, my favorite skater, and I had a girl brand fucking deck, and I was, like, really into skating at that point. <laughs> but just, like, that way that intro to TNT starts out, I mean, at 12, I don't really have too much musical background, I'm, like, still developing, so that was, like, super cool. But all those soundtracks for those Tony Hawk games were the shit. Is there any, uh, this more is kind of ridiculous, tracks, though. Connor? I'm on... Huh? Do you have any more notable tracks from the uh, Twisted Metal franchise? Dude, I'm on Wikipedia right now trying to find, and they don't have a soundtrack section for uh, for the game. So it's like, I, I don't... It. I got the 10 songs. What, on Sick. Twisted Metal? That was only 10 songs? Uh, these are all the fucking originals. Yeah, that's what I played was Twisted Metal 1, 2, and 3, and maybe a no, little no, bit no, of Black. The, um... Oh, Tony Hawk. Songs. Like the no, like the sounds that they add, like kind of like you know. This is ridiculous. I can't believe they don't have this shit on the Wikipedia. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, Twisted Metal Two was my favorite. I'm looking at it yeah, now. Twisted Metal Two was a shit. Yeah, Twisted Metal kicked fucking ass. All right, well, PlayStation was a super underrated system. Well, I guess uh, no, I know I'm you're gonna what you're gonna mention. So, Bill, do yours because I have a story about related to your uh, your pick. Okay, so. If listening to music in a video game is your thing, this video game has something for everybody. This was a groundbreaking franchise, and in my opinion, minus the newest version, which is 5, I believe this to be the greatest installment of said gaming franchise. The franchise is Grand Theft Auto. The title is Vice City. Now, when you start the game... Huh? I was going to say, they all have pretty good sounds. Oh, they all fucking do. Yeah. But, like, me, like, I love the 80s. Like, the 80s is, like, my fucking, like, wheelhouse. Like, so this is, like, perfect for me. Like, when I, I remember getting this game as a kid, or actually my dad got it one year for Christmas, and obviously it was rated in for mature, so my parents wouldn't let any of us play it, which is surprising now if you guys know my family I had Grand Theft Auto 3 right when it came out. Dude. <laughs> Grand Theft Auto 3, when it came out, I was, what, we were, it was like 99 when it came out, or 2000? Something like that. 2000, I'd say. Yeah, so I remember I was in Best Buy with my older cousin at the time. He was like 17, and he bought it, and like, I played it with him, but I watched, I remember like the first scene, like you're in the back of that jail van with eight ball, and then you break out, yep. and like you yeah, yeah, yeah. and like beat some dude to death with a baseball bat. So I'm like nine years old. I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever, I've ever <laughs> right? seen in my life. So I told my dad because of the cover, the way it looked, that it was a Tetris game, and it just had some <laughs> blood and stuff in the game. So like he had to buy it for me. So my dad bought me Grand Theft Auto Three at like the age of nine. I like never knew what was going on with it. I played that thing in pure secrecy. He even asked me a couple times, like, "How come you never play your game?" I'm like, I do. You just I can't show you. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> then when my dad married my stepmom, Vice City had just come out. So my dad was like, "Oh, this new game's coming out. You know, Steven wants to get it. You know, why don't we get the new one for him?" So both me and my stepsister got copies of Vice City. Like we played it out in the living room. My stepmom was like furious. That's so. I had no clue what this game was about for like two years. It was great. <laughs> so, Vice, Vice City and San Andreas had the best soundtracks. I agree, Absolutely. dude. Just listen, listen to like on the the V Rock station. Well, hold on, hold on. I want to get into this. Priest. I want. I want to get into this. So, as like I turned the game on and shit, what what initially fucking was like, you know what? I love this fucking game. Was the very first song when you start the game. 
you go on and you turn on V-Rock, the first song you hear is David Lee Roth's Yankee Rose. And I was like, holy shit, this game has everything. And then, of course, you go down like the V-Rock station. You got Judas Priest, Another Thing Coming, Too Young to Fall in Love by Motley Crue, Peace Cells by Megadeth. Uh, You have Love Fist, which is the fictional band, which actually isn't that bad. Twisted Sister, Ozzy, Anthrax, (laughs) Iron Maiden, Slayer's Rain and Blood, Tesla. Like, it's just, it had everything. You know what song really stuck with me from Vice City? What? Owner of a Lonely Heart by Yes. Owner of a Lonely Heart. Yeah, dude. I'm trying to find what station that was on. Okay. Bro, they had Michael Jackson, Billy Jean on there. They had Toto Africa. They had Nina's 99. Well, that song. um, Bro, they had the psychedelic furs on there. Yeah. (laughs) No, I remember the commercial, though, too, with I Ran by Flock of Seagulls. Uh Yeah. I always remember the commercial with Iran for Fox of Seagulls. Was oh, yeah. That was it. Yeah. The they had a. Out. They hit the 80s genres pretty good. They had like, you know, new wave hair metal. They had like um, regular metal. They had the pop going on. Like they had a bunch of genres going well, on. Well, if you guys want to hear yeah, it, I actually have. DMC on there. I have the Vice City. I remember in San Andreas. On San Andreas, the commercial had Welcome to the Jungle in it. Yep. And I was just like, I need yeah, this fucking yeah, game. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm yeah, San Andreas had like like I remember you were saying Steve that had Tupac, I don't give a fuck. Um that had L seven hearing that hearing that driving around Los Santos is literally what got me into Tupacalypse now. I heard that song and I was like, This is fucking awesome. <laughs> Whatchamacallit? L seven so pretend we're dead's on there. Yep. Yeah. Now um bunch of with uh well obviously if you've never played any of the Grand Theft Auto games before there, there is radio stations and they all play very, very different music and they're all basically made to mock normal radio stations. Um, I actually have the list of the Vice City stations up right now. I'll just go through and I'll pick, you know, like the, I guess, well, the highlights. The so, highlight track from each station. Yeah. So, like, obviously, V Rock had the list that I had said earlier, probably the standout for that. Well, with it being the game that it is, I would say Raining Blood, because I doubt any radio station was playing that shit in the 80s. Um, All right. What, Wave 103. What's the coolest? Huh? What's the coolest song that Grand Theft Auto ever put in a game? Them Bones. No. The coolest song? Had like a hole. Yeah. Like, what's like the holy shit moment from Grand Theft Auto songs for you guys? Had like a hole. Um, that really like blew me away. It was probably killing in the name. Yeah, I forgot about that. That was on San Andreas. Andreas. Yeah, yeah, killing yeah. In the name really was like because I, dude, you got to figure like at this time again. Like I'm not sitting there listening to Battle of Los Angeles and fucking, you know, especially you know Evil Empire and even the salt. Like I wasn't like huge into like listening to bands at that point and like doing research and stuff. But when I started listening to songs on these radio stations, it like open up music because other than listening to like 1029 with my father in the car on like long road trips i never really you got to figure the access to music we had was strictly cd oh yeah and you, then bill, eventually you, with limewire and everything else but i mean to find bill, you music think, was really difficult bill you think yours was um yankee rose no mine was head like a hole from san andreas okay like i that was the first time i've ever heard that song honestly was in san andreas and i remember thinking like man yeah, this shit same. is bad ass I got to say, I hate to say it, but the the song that blew me away the most in San Andreas was probably Goddamn Welcome to the Jungle. Because that was like... Well, you have to think of the time period that it came out. out. 
Yeah, that game came out when I was in like seventh, sixth or seventh grade or something. Yeah, and at and that point, Guns N' Roses that, the that coolest was the coolest fucking band I, ever. Guns N' Roses was my favorite band in that in that time period by far. And like I was all into like ACDC and Guns N' Roses and uh like uh Michael Jackson and fucking um random shit from like the the seventies and eighties Blue Oyster Cult and um Bro that that radio Los Santos station though, I think I listened to more than anything though, with like nothing but a G thing. Oh yeah. Um, two shit the ghetto. Yeah. Check yourself I was... Ice Cube, Kid Frost, Cypress Hill, DOC. Like, dude, there was so much on See, there. for me though, I was in Florida and that's what everybody else was freaking out about. And I yeah. was like our already the Guns N' Roses kid type deal. And like for like Guns N' Roses to get put on the commercial and like be the the bad shit on there, I was like, "Fuck yeah, bro!" Listen, I was I like, just wanna go "Everybody's down. gonna." I was like, "Everybody's gonna be back into GR GNR now." <laughs> it is funny. This was like oh five oh six. But like in hindsight, like if you go down the station for Radio X, dude, Helmet, Unsung, Depeche Mode, oh, fuck Jesus, yeah. Faith No More, Midlife Crisis, Danzig's Mother, yep. Living yep. Color, yep. Cold of Personality, Primal Scream, Guns N' Roses, L7, Ozzy Osbourne, Soundgarden's Rusty Cage was on there. Dude, Brave, that Jane just reminded me. Stealing. Yeah. You know what other game I got to bring up? What? Road Rash. Do you guys remember that? Oh, fuck yeah. No, dude. I don't remember dude, that. Dude, that was Hold like... On. That was like all Soundgarden and shit. That was like I'm about to see if I can find the soundtrack for that. Yeah, Carry looking, on. yeah, dude. While you're thinking that up, I want to bring up another one: Need for Speed Underground Two, or Need for oh, Speed yeah. Underground. When you start that oh, bitch yeah. up, fucking Get Low comes on by Lil John. Dude, Road Rash is literally like the first four songs on the soundtrack yeah, are dude, Rusty, Rusty Cage, Cage Outshine, Kickstand, Super Unknown. <laughs> Wow, dude. Dude, that's where I know Super Unknown from because I used to like when I first got into Soundgarden, I used to always dude, Swerve Driver, what was I playing? Um like Super Unknown, I was that song, I was always just kind of like, yo, this song fucking spits, but like um <laughs> what call it? Um I didn't know where I knew it from. Like I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like I know this wasn't ever played on the radio a lot, and I, I'm fairly certain now that it's from goddamn Road Rash. Yeah, dude, that Need for Speed Underground, the first one was pretty good. It had like Rancid on there. Oh fuck yeah, Road cool on there. Bill, you would, Bill, you would have loved Road Rash. Yeah, like if you would have played Road Rash in like '98 or '99, that probably would have been your favorite game of all time. <laughs> that dude. ass. Yeah, Road Rash was a shit. Yo, that Need for Speed Underground is like the essential for 2000s hip-hop. Dude. dude. Little John's Get Low. Mystic, mystical oh. Smashing the Gas. Wait, is that... Never midnight, are you looking at Underground Remember 2? Remember Midnight Club? No, Underground, first one. The first one? Yeah, yeah with the orange car on the cover. Yeah, because I'm yeah. looking here, and I see like Tulane Blacktop by Rob Zombie. Oh, hell fucking yeah. Static that was X. the shit in that game. Yeah. Right yeah, they had that as Black well, but I'm saying they rolling. also that's that they're on they're on both. The main menu, the default music they have here is like Nate Dog, PD Pablo, T I. Yeah. But yeah, they also had yep. Rob Zombies, Two Lane Backstop, Rancid Out of Control. Yeah, dude, Static X the only Yo, it's really a shame. Fuel. It's such a shame that rap doesn't build off of that stuff. 
I know, dude, and that's yep. just crazy because there's a lot of bands that you can hear today. Like I've recommended them before. That I like talked about them at least that band Earthless, where they have like that really good like '60s, '70s like jam rock sound, like that doomy rock Black Sabbath. Oh sound. hell yeah! But like all hip hop today is like it's I, too it's fast now. Like they have no clue of rap prior. It's almost like they have no blueprint yeah. that they're going off of, and they, it's, they, oh, yeah, they completely. Rap was building off of itself for 30 years, and then in 2010, all the new rappers just said, yeah, fuck everything everybody else ever did. We're just going to fucking plug in Fruity Loops and go fucking crazy. Bro, I was on, um, well, I have uh, Comcast, and I have uh, MTV Classic, the channel, and I was watching like 90s Nation or like I want my 80s or whatever show it was where they actually play good music videos. And I was, it was on a commercial. I didn't feel like seeing Adam Levine's face on the proactive commercial again. So I went <laughs> next channel up to BET and they had hit list on. And I was like, fuck yeah, here we go. Let's start. Let's listen to f- some fucking Snoop or Dre or something. And dude, the songs that came on, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, like, you can't groove bad. to it. You can't vibe to it. Like, it's literally just like, it got, it all got too fast. It's like, what the fuck is going on? It got too fast. Yeah, I was I was watching a Red Man interview, right, and it was the same shit in the eighties, like when rap first started with like Sugar Hill Gang and whatever else in like the late seventies, early eighties. Um, it was like it was like slow, and then in the eighties, it's like the beats and the rappers started kind of trying to get faster a little bit, and then with like EPMD and a lot of the shit in New York, it was starting to slow down again. And that's like Redman was saying, like, yo, when it started to slow down again and people started to base stuff off of like Parliament instead of like whatever that was really fast and like technical, um, he's like, people really started feeling it. And that I, I applied that to today as soon as I heard him say that. I was like, rap, like, not to turn this into a fucking what's wrong with rap today episode, but um, fucking they got away from, uh, the funk in it like they got away from the the base like yeah they like, like yeah. forgot where like the roots were in it yeah they forgot say, the, the musicality of it all that made it sound good like there was actually musicality on fucking red man albums and tupac albums well and i'm Biggie saying albums. it's like, i agree like me and bill watched this video on like who started death metal right and it's crazy because they can clearly see like going from bands like Black Sabbath into the new wave of British British heavy metal and have bands like Venom and then Possessed and like Creator and then all leading up to Death who became what now Death Metal is most predominantly known as. Yep. You can see literally every cog in the gear that caused something to happen. Like if you look at late 70s establishment, 80s hip hop into like 90s gangster rap to 2000s hip hop, you can see like the bridges in between. It's almost like there's this huge like I don't know where rap totally made that term, but it's like you can't find many artists to like trigger what caused this new wave of rap and hip hop. Like, it was the producers. Total disconnection. Yeah. It was the producers. Even Wu-Tang did it and Rizzo was their producer. Like yeah. Wu-Tang is like not quite what it used to be they got away from it's it's because of all the i think it's because of all the digitalization of recording like i um, i can i can agree with that like i watched the wu-tang hulu show and um i think it's called wu-tang america an american saga and um 
like they show you like it's 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 a what do you call it like the bi biopic it's like a biopic tv show almost and um fucking they, they like there's a character playing rizza in like 1992 and he's like desperately trying to save up to get this top of the line state of the art $2000 drum machine in 1992 $2000 in 92 so that's like probably like 33500 now yeah yeah and um fucking you know that he knew he needed that machine to get these cool sounds that were flowing through his head and um now it's it's not like that like nobody wants nobody wants um to really have to put in any effort to make music. Everyone thinks like mu- making music should be as easy as possible. Now we're going to get into our personal suggestions of the week. Um, this week due to the, you know, new newest or the new release of it, I'm going to suggest to check out the title track from the black Dahlia murders, new album verminous song is verminous. If you haven't listened to this album yet, I would, definitely suggest to give it a chance if you're into brutal chugga chugga type nasty death metal on the verge of deathcore type music because even this being borderline deathcore definitely tickles steve's fancy too (laughs) yeah it's uh it's definitely the fine line them and lamb of god i'll always say that they're the fine line this album's new, you said? Brand new. Yeah, I actually enjoyed it. Yeah, it was it oh, came wow. out, what, a couple weeks ago? Yeah. came out around the so, same time. Yeah. You've been soaking up a good amount of new music. Huh, oh, Bill? yeah. Oh, yeah. Yup. Yeah. What do you got going on, Steve? Yeah. So, uh, because Connor recommended a song off this back on the uh, 30-day challenge, I think it was like the third day or something, I actually went back and listened to the album. It's the 1989 release by Neil Young. The album's called Freedom. Uh, the song I'm recommending is track two, Crime in the City. Yeah, that's a good one. That song's awesome. Nice. It's like a fast acoustic rock song. Yeah, it's so good. The lyrics are awesome, yeah. too. Yeah, the, the the acoustic rhythm in the verses in those songs is like, I, I don't know it's why, like, but that pops pops in my head all the time. Yeah, it's good. Nice. Um, so, Connor, I heard that your suggestion of the week kind of turns into our group suggestion. Is this true? Yeah. All right. So <laughs> I've been on a bush kick, the band Bush, not the political leaders. And um, I'm going to recommend 16 Stone, their uh, debut breakthrough album. Um, I was looking through our Instagram and I was looking at all the albums that we've recommended over the roughly uh, past year. And, um, you know, I was like, you know what album belongs on this fucking Instagram page? Fucking 16 Stone. <laughs> um and um it's a great album like there's really the only really not so great song on it is the last one which is ex-girlfriend and that's a 45 Mm -hmm. second song and it's basically an intentional throwaway it's like and it's i i never listened to it because i I don't know i I got everything i need out of it years ago and um but it's not bad it's like got it's actually got a decent riff in it so there's really nothing bad on the album if you had to pick a song off of it to um, suggest what would it be it's super hard with 16 stone i'll tell you to pick one um for the casual for if i'm recommending a song to someone who is trying to check out the album i guess i'll say uh everything's in 
Nice. Yeah. Um, but how this segues is so Bush broke up in 2001. They were apart for like 10 year, 10 odd years. And when they got back together, they went to record the sea of memories at the sound city studio, which, um, was where Nirvana recorded Nevermind and Rage Against the Machine recorded their first album and a bunch of other albums, Rumors, I think, by Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Um, or maybe or is it either Rumors or their self-titled album? Something by Fleetwood Mac, some stuff by Tom Petty, some stuff by Neil Young, yada yada. Big studio in LA, important outside studio. LA. Yeah, very important. It's probably in the top 20 most important studios of all time as, and not just as far as rock goes, just like sound capturing facilities in general. And, um, apparently Dave Grohl, who's like been somewhat affiliated with this studio over the years, stumbled in or something while Bush were recording this album. And, um, Gavin made a joke where he said, it's just a shame that we're going to be the last band that gets to like record on um, this legendary Neve soundboard that they have here. <laughs> and uh, apparently Gavin thinks that that's why uh, Dave Roll like went ahead and like bought that soundboard and brought it to 606 where Bush later recorded another album. I think <laughs> that's funny. And um, <laughs> so they've squashed their beef that they had in the nineties, but Gavin jokes that the reason that Dave Grohl had to go ahead and buy that soundboard was because he couldn't uh, stomach Bush being the last band that got to <laughs> that's use funny. it. <laughs> and how this ties in is that our group suggestion for this week is to check out the Dave Grohl directed documentary sound city basically goes through the process of how, Sound City created all these influential and super important albums and basically why Dave Grohl had to weasel his way into getting this piece of musical history <laughs> to selfish, selfishly keep it all for himself and house it in Despite his warehouse. He's a yeah. smart bastard, though, Dave Grohl. I'll tell yes. you. Yes, he um, is. Resilient, fucking smart. He got that soundboard when it was probably cheaper than it ever, ever was going to be again. Because if, if that went to another private oh, buyer, shit. you never touch it again. He would have never he, he would have never touched it again. They've been like Nirvana money touching shit. it for like five minutes. Yeah. Well, he like I I think he paid like twenty five thousand dollars for it. I feel like I remember him what? saying that in the movie. Something like that. Maybe fifty. They paid seventy five thousand for it in the 70s. Okay, I'm completely wrong. Ignore that. Maybe two hundred and fifty thousand um, or two point five million. They reopened Sound City. You know Sound City reopened, yeah. right? It's back it went open again in twenty seventeen. They don't have that soundboard though anymore. No, because Dave Grohl's got it at six oh six. There's probably some bullshit yeah, where Dave fucking... was like, Don't worry, I'll keep it I'll keep it safe under lock and key. And like, you know, like knock knock knock. Hey Dave, Sound City's open back up. He's like, Oh, I'm sorry, you already sold this to me. We should start a petition for uh, the Neve soundboard to be returned to its rightful home at the reopened Sound City <laughs> and for Dave Grohl to stop holding it hostage with his money. Guys, hit it up <laughs> on Instagram. Hashtag return the Neve. Return the damn Neve. <laughs> but yeah, that that's funny. <laughs> return the Neve. Because I, I don't know if you can just book time at 6.06. I know Allison Chains was recording Black Gives Way to Blue there, 
and they wound up getting kicked out of 606 so Dave Grohl can do one of his projects. Yeah. I do know that. That's something I've I would heard. be mad as hell. I would be mad as hell if I was in Allison Chains. Dude, because it's like... I'd be like, dude, you don't have a second room? Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm sorry, Dave, that we're still in the same fucking band and we're coming out with a new album with a new singer and this isn't something to your liking. I'm sorry, King Grohl. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it literally might have been like... um, I We're getting off topic here. But um, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to speculate too much on the uh, the behind the scenes comings and goings of six oh six. Trying to find how much he fucking paid for this thing, man. It's bothering me. Uh, that's funny. If you listeners out there know it. about this fabled uh, Neve soundboard and how much Dave Grohl had paid for it, feel free to email us at retmpodcast at gmail it's very like yeah, it's very like tra it's like a like a mystery story, like how it belonged to the Skeeter family since sixty nine. It went for seventy five grand in the seventies and just like it won't tell you how much he fucking paid for the thing. If you know, please yeah, that's drop an us a line. Dave figure. Roll save rock and roll. Like all these like fable stories and they just won't tell us how much he paid for the goddamn thing. <laughs> but if you guys do know, you can hit us up on our email or our Instagram and Twitter at RETM Podcast or our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash RATM Podcast. This is another episode of the Quarantine Chronicles in the book. As always, I'm Bill. I'm Connor. I'm Steve. This has been Rage Against the Mainstream. Have a good night, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs>